0: His righteous sentence by the damn lamps, his day is marching on. He has sounded forth a trumpet that shall never call retreat. He is sifting out the hearts of men before his judgment seat. oh be swift my soul to answer him be jubilant my feet his day
1: Genesis 45 and 7. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he's made me a ruler to Pharaoh and Lord of all of his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. And his brethren also went, verse 18, and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, this is chapter 50, verse 20, You thought evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring to pass as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now therefore, fear thee not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. A sermon for Black History Month. Please be seated. About 2,000 years ago, Moses traveled to Midian in the northern part or southern part of the Fertile Crescent. Then Moses married a dark-skinned Midianite woman and worked for and lived for his Midianite father-in-law, Jethro. Numbers 12 and 1 indicate that Jethro and his daughter were Ethiopian. And Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. Moses' brother and sister spoke against him for marrying a black woman. God got upset and smote Miriam with leprosy. Moses would have to pray that God would lift that leprosy from his sister who messed with him about marrying a black woman. Sometimes black women are mighty powerful, Moses would later on ask his brother-in-law, Hodab, to join with the Israelites and be a guide to them in the wilderness. Moses' brother-in-law and father-in-law were also very probably Ethiopian, black-skinned individuals. Four hundred years later, Joseph would marry a dark-skinned Egyptian woman from North Africa. That was Joseph. And almost a thousand years before the birth of Christ, the queen of Sheba, a black woman, visited Solomon. She came from Africa with many camels, spices, gold, and precious stones. Her nation and culture had obviously existed and flourished long before that time. The Ethiopian Penki, established the 24th Egyptian dynasty and at least four Ethiopian kings ruled over Egypt from 730 BC until 656 BC. Great nations, great civilizations, great cultures existed in Africa centuries before Jesus Christ was born. One of the greatest generals of all time was a man by the name of Hannibal, a black man from the city of Carthage in North Africa. He defied Rome and frequently defeated the nation of Rome between 219 and 203 B.C. In 1498 A.D., Portuguese explorers wrote that they found along the East African coast tall, stone cities of comfort and of wealth. They found people who were highly civilized and skilled in the use of the compass and in reading charts. In 1518, mention is made of the city of Timbuktu in West Sudan. It's a magnificent city where merchants made greater profit from the sale of books than from any other commodity that they show In the areas of science, in the areas of art and medicine, government, law, culture, and so on, certain of the nations of Africa were competitive with and in many cases more advanced than the other nations of the world during that period. All the things that I've described so far were devastated by the slave trade, by slavery, by colonialism. William Banks in his book, The Black Church in the US, gives us the following report. Nearly 20 million Negroes made captive, were made captive over the span of some 300 years. A more conservative estimate is 14.6 million. They were jammed and crammed into ships, like sardines in a can and brought across the Atlantic from the Gulf of Guinea to the New World in a trip called the Middle Passage. It's estimated that approximately 12 million landed in Latin America, and two million were brought to the United States. What happened to the other millions? Some died resisting capture. Some died in captivity while being held in Africa, waiting to be shipped out. Some committed suicide, eating quantities of clay. Others beaten and too weak to continue the trek in the convoy to the harbor. They were abandoned to die. Most of the loss of life, however, came during the Middle Passage. Perhaps not more than half of the slaves that were shipped from Africa ever really made it to work in the new world. Shackled in irons, they huddled beneath the decks of the ships for 16 hours at a time in unbearable heat, filth, and stench, barely surviving on the stale, spoiled food and stagnant water. During the several weeks it took to make the trip, the slaves were only given a few minutes a day on deck for fresh air and exercise the weather was bad, they received neither fresh air nor exercise. Many died at sea from dysentery, smallpox, and other diseases. Some starved themselves to death, refusing to eat. Others committed suicide by jumping into the ocean. Others rebelled, especially those who were warriors taken in battle. And often these were beaten, or shot to death, and some died soon after reaching American soil. A meaningful study would be to inquire what impact the loss of 15 to 20 million of its inhabitants had on the cultures, the nations, and the continent of Africa. How many died trying to defend their families and friends from the violence associated with the slave trade? And then after the slave trade came, the horrible period of colonialism during which Europeans and Mediterranean invaders did to Africa's resources what those before them had done to Africa's people. What is the value of 20 million people taken out of their homeland? But even after the abolition of slavery, black people have experienced one humiliating, dehumanizing devastation after another. But still, we produced Benjamin Banneker, yeah. almanac writer, maker of the first American made clock, Sojourner Truth, George Washington Carver, Charles Drew, a pioneer in blood plasma research, Benjamin O. Davis, Thurgood Marshall, Ralph Bunch, Booker T. Washington, Marion Anderson, and a host of others rose above their oppression to attain to a level of excellence. Let's examine now the interaction between Christ and his church and black people because of their concern for the life and the safety of the babe Jesus. Mary and Joseph were led by an angel to find a place of refuge. And it was in Egypt, in North Africa, that they sought safety. During the dark day of his crucifixion, The Jews were condemning Jesus to death. Europe, represented by the Roman centurion, drove nails into the hands and feet of Jesus and beautifully pierced him in the side. But Africa, represented by Simon of Cyrene in northwestern Africa, stepped forth when everybody else stepped back. He shared history's most significant moment with the Christ. A black man bore the cross of Christ up Calvary's Hill. And listen, if Jesus needed help with his cross, I'm sure he understands when I need help and you need help with your cross. He will help you in the midst of your trial and in the midst of your struggle. But one would think that this privilege of helping Jesus with his, with his cross would have been reserved for Simon Peter, that the privilege would be reserved for John or some other apostle. But God chose black hands and woolly hair to perform an act and render a service that all the truly wise and truly great men of all the ages would have been supremely honored to share and perform, bearing the cross of our Lord and Savior Jesus. And then after the gospel was first preached to the Jews and then preached to the Samaritans who were of mixed Jewish stock, Philip, that deacon, was divinely summoned to a desert place, where the Ethiopian secretary of the treasury was to pass in his chariot. Before Peter was sent to the Italians in Caesarea, before Paul began his diligent missionary efforts in Eastern and Midwestern Europe, this Ethiopian nobleman heard the gospel and received the gospel. And after being baptized, he went back to Ethiopia to form the Abyssinian or the Coptic Church, which exists even until this day. He was the first Gentile of record to be saved. A black Ethiopian was the first (laughs) Gentile to be saved after the Jews, then this Ethiopian, and then Cornelius and the rest of the bunch had to get on board. The historian Dean Millman has said that it was Africa, not Rome, that gave birth to Latin Christianity. For Africa gave three among the greatest leaders and scholars of the church, Augustine, Tertullian, and Cyprian, early great theologians, where Punian and Newian blood mixed and produced one of the world's most powerful and advanced civilization. The African Tertullian made Latin Christianity ethical, juristic, and practical. The African Cyprian was the church's authority in all matters of ecclesiastical law. And probably the greatest contribution made to Western theology other than the Bible was made by an African, St. Augustine. Let's clap our hands and praise God. So any person who would reject Christianity because he thought it was a white man's religion is both mistaken and unaware. Black men had the privilege of being among the first leaders and participants in the Pentecostal charismatic revival that swept this nation during the early 1900s and still sweeps across the world. Vincent Sinan, great historian, says that Charles Parham, a white man, and William Seymour, a black man, share roughly equal positions as the founders of modern Pentecostalism. Parham first emphasized Pentecostal doctrines in the state of Kansas. And Seymour was the outstanding personality in bringing about that great crucial Pentecostal revival that we call the Azusa revival here in the city of Los Angeles. From that revival, started by a black man, Pentecostalism spread across the nation and across the world. And one key man in that contagious spread was a man by the name of Charles Harrison Mason, a black man, the father and the founder of the Church of God in Christ. The Church of God in Christ was founded as a holiness body in 1897. But in 1907, Elder Mason traveled to Seymour's Revival here in the city of Los Angeles, and Elder Mason received the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Other members of the denomination also came and received the baptism in the Holy Ghost. The Church of God in Christ became the first legally incorporated Pentecostal body in the United States. I said the Church of God in Christ was the first legally incorporated Pentecostal body in the United States. Sinon also points out that most of the white Pentecostal churches in 1907 to 1914 had no recognizable Pentecostal or ecclesiastical body to represent them and to ordain their ministers. Therefore, they were not authorized to perform marriages, other ministerial duties, and they were unable to obtain reduced clergy rates on the railroads. So scores of white ministers in 1909, 1910, 1911, scores of white ministers joined the Church of God in Christ and obtained ministerial credentials from Elder Mason and the Church of God in Christ. One group of ministers in the South received permission from Elder Mason to use the name of the church in 1912. And this arrangement continued until 1914, when they organized their predominantly white Assemblies of God Church. The Assemblies of God Church ministers were once members of and credentialed by the Church of God in Christ, until 1914, when they separated themselves and organized the, the Assembly of God Church in 1914. Some kind of way, looking at Azusa, looking at the experience, of the early Pentecostal church, I get the impression that God wanted all of us to be together and one in him, worshiping him and praising him together. No, Christianity is not a white man's religion, nor is it a black man's religion. It's simply man's religion. It's the only hope for sanity and for salvation in this world. In Christ, there's no black, no white, but one race, one color, one blood in Christ Jesus. Let's give praise to the Lord. I read a text a little while ago about Joseph, that biblical character. And there are many parallels between the experience of black people and the experience of Joseph who spoke the words of our text. Joseph was one who had visions, in one vision, his brother's sheaves bowed down to his. In another vision, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars that the 11 stars showed reference to Joseph. And those visions sustained him when he was in the midst of adversity. Those visions encouraged him because whenever he got in trouble, he would see the vision. When his brothers hated him, he looked at the vision. When his brothers threw him in a pit, he looked at the vision. When his brothers sold him into slavery, he said, I'm not supposed to be in slavery. My vision showed me ruling and in charge. We kept seeing the vision. And I just say to you today as a people, and I would say to you as individuals, whatever you're going through, whatever you're dealing with, Keep on seeing the vision. God said, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and to give you a hope. So God has a future in store for you. It's a great future. It is a winning future. And if you see the vision, it shall come to pass. But you look at somebody and tell them, it shall come to pass. Hallelujah. And so those visions sustained Joseph in the midst of adversity. He was thrown in prison in the land of Egypt. But while in prison, he invested himself in the welfare of others. He invested himself in the warden of the prison and said, Sir, if there's anything I can do to be helpful, I want to do it. He invested himself in two other prisoners. One had been the baker for the Pharaoh, and the other had been the butler. They had dreams and wanted Joseph to interpret their dreams. Joseph prayed all night and waited before the Lord, not for his dream, but for their dream. And God gave Joseph the interpretation to their dream. Joseph not only invested in them, he also had an opportunity to help the Pharaoh himself, who had a vision that he did not understand because of his wisdom and because the Spirit of God was upon him. Joseph was able to interpret the dream, and the Pharaoh was so impressed by his wisdom and by his insight that he made Joseph the vice president of the land of Egypt. Joseph had predicted that there was going to be a famine in the land. And he told them how to prepare and survive through the famine. And the Pharaoh said, listen, if you've got that kind of wisdom, I want you to rule by my side. And so, fast forward, those same brothers, would you say those same brothers, were in the famine also. And they decided, listen, we'd better go to Egypt, because we've heard that there's some food available there. They all went to Egypt. And before whom would they come except Joseph, their brother? They did not recognize him, but he recognized them. He had a little fun with them, and played with them a little while and sent them back home and brought them back and sent them through a whole lot of little hassles and troubles. But then with tears in his eyes, he said, my brethren, I want you to know that it's me, your brother, Joseph. When they learned that it was Joseph, they were overwhelmed by fear, overwhelmed by distress. They thought he was going to kill them. They thought he was going to throw them in prison but instead Joseph wrapped his arms around them and said, my brothers, you did evil to me, but God intended that your evil should be for my good. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, when evil comes your way, God can use evil for your good. People may hate you, but if you love them and love God, God will take you higher than you've ever gone before. Joseph said, listen, we've got more than enough food. Bring everybody over here. Bring my father, Jacob. Bring all of my relatives. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to feed you. So the very brothers that sold Joseph into slavery was the one that Joseph turned around and lifted and helped and provided for in the midst of their struggle. And people of the Lord, I just somehow believe that our presence in these United States of America is not a mistake. It was painful, it was a misfortune. We were hated, we were lynched, we were killed, we were abused, but God used what we went through to be for our good. God raised us up, God brought us out, God brought us through, and now black folk in the United States are the most blessed black folk on the face of the earth. They intended it for evil, but God intended it for good. God's purpose was fulfilled in us, but God is not through with us yet you are a child of destiny god had a purpose in blessing you tell your neighbor neighbor you are a child of destiny and god had a purpose in blessing you what you have what you know where you are where you've arrived is planned by god and i see you in the future and you look much better than you look right now. Child of God, God wants to use you for his glory. Lord, take my hands and use them to bring glory to your name. Take my feet, let them walk in your way. Take my mouth, let it speak your word and speak your will. Raise your hand and say, Lord, thy will be done use me hallelujah glory use me to do your will use me God did not bless you just to be blessing you but he blessed you so he can use you tell your neighbor neighbor God bless you so he can use you have thine own way Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thine will and after thine way. Clap your hands, give praise to the Lord. Come on and praise him, praise him, praise him. Stand up everybody and praise him. Give glory to his name, glory glory tell two people god has a purpose for your life and we know that all things work together for good to them that love the lord to them who are called according to his purpose it's for your good what you've been through god's going to use to bless you and to bless others Come on and praise him.
2: Praise him. Glory.
1: Look at you. Look at you. Got more money than you ever had. Look at you. Blessed beyond anything you've ever known dressing like a king like a model look at you eating anything you want living in a place that you never thought it would ever be possible will you tell somebody god has been good to me i'm going to praise him bless the lord oh my soul and all that is within Bless His holy name, bless His holy name, bless His holy name.